The Trek Files, Season 7, Episode 13, Timescape Call Sheet, April 2nd, 1993. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. And welcome back, Star Trek fans. Hey, all you Star Trek historians, I know you're out there. All you canonistas, you're going to have a good time today. And yes, I do say that lovingly. <laughs> Tech heads, I think you'll have fun today, too. And you know, just everybody out there who's a Trekophile spelled with an F, We've got a special guest. I say that every week because they're always special, but today we're going to have a lot of fun looking uh, looking at two eras of the Star Trek prism through one guest. Uh, look, you know what to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease you a little bit, but you can go right there to our Documents of the Week at our homepage on Facebook, facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Now here's an audio sample to get you started, but hey, stick around, check out the documents, and I'll be right back with this week's guest. Notes. 1. All calls subject to change by AD. 2. No forced calls without AD UPM approval. 3. Closed set. No visitors without clearance from Rick Berman's office. 4. No smoking, food, or drinks on set. 5. Do not lean on or touch walls on set. 6. Please read safety bulletins posted at stage 8 and 9 entrance. Okay, Trekophiles, you got all that? Yes. <laughs> that is, uh, that's one. We've got call sheets this week. We've also got some story notes from the opening, uh, the opening evolution of what would become Rascals. So here we are in the sixth season of Next Generation. Uh, Gene had passed, but the files are still there. Majel, as the company, was still collecting files, obviously. Um, and our guest this week was someone who, hey, you may know his name, but here is his work actually on Next Generation. I am so thrilled to have on with us today, Adam Nimoy. Adam, it is so great to have you. I mean, yes, you're the son of Leonard, but here you are directing on Next Generation, as well as doing all the things to come, uh, the documentaries you worked on with your dad, other projects, obviously, over the years. But so glad to have you with us today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Larry. It's my pleasure. I think you and I talked very briefly on the phone back in the day when I was writing The Companion. So this is a little bit more personal. How did you come to direct on, on Next Gen? Well, Larry, uh, let's see. I was um, working on uh, the Star Trek VI Undiscovered Country as an assistant to Nick mm -hmm. Meyer, uh, trying to figure out about making a career change. I've been practicing law up until that point, entertainment law, uh, and was restless and wanted to do something more creative. You know, I, I spent my my entire uh, academic career striving to be, get a law degree so that I could do something other than what my father had done. <laughs> of course. And something that my father could not do as he was not academically inclined. Uh, I was trying to create my own identity. Uh, and then after a while, I just wanted to be like him. I just wanted to do something creative. I wanted to be in filmmaking. Um, I, uh, there was a slot open working for Nick Meyer, uh, which I, I gladly took. And uh, I was really a gopher for Nick uh, on that entire shoot on, that, uh, on Star Trek VI. When that wrapped, uh, I was trying to figure out what else to do, and it was Dad who suggested that I go talk to Rick Berman about 
observing at least uh, on the next generation to see if I can get a directing episode uh, to start my career. So I talked to Rick and his feeling was I needed to hang out uh, with his directors and follow them and shadow mm -hmm. them uh, and learn from them. Uh, at the same time, I was taking classes at UCLA Extension uh, on directing uh, techniques. So um, I was on the next generation for the entire season. I think it was the fifth season before I started following his, you know, the, the various direct right. guest directors. Because around. Star Trek VI came out during the, sixth, during the uh, fifth season. Right, we wrapped yeah, because we, right. Star Trek VI used a lot of next-gen <laughs> sets mm -hmm. uh, and they had a wrap before they started their production season on Next Generation. So uh, uh, I spent the next entire season unpaid as a kind of an observer trying to figure out how they make that, ep that show. And they were in full swing by then. I mean, uh, the characters knew their roles. They were very popular series at the time. They had really found their footing. Um, it was an exciting time for me to be learning about how to direct. And then finally, once I had been there for a year and Rick saw that I was in earnest about learning the craft, I mean, I was there. I spent a lot of time on set uh, following some of their top guys around. Uh, he finally gave me a break with Rascals. So you went from big, so you had your law degree and had already decided to, to, to maybe take a look at directing and look at the industry when the Star Trek VI came along and you were working with Nick. Yeah, but so, by that time I had been practicing law. It's just that yeah. I had concluded it was really not for me. I want to it do something more creative and they were just about to start <laughs> pre-production on Star Trek VI. And that's when I started talking to my dad about the possibility of hanging out with him and, and working with yeah. Nick and learning what it was all about. So it sounds like you went from one of the world's oldest PAs to being one of the world's younger directors. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't one of the youngest directors. I was one of the, yeah, it was, it was a midlife crisis, but it worked out okay. I mean, uh, it was a great experience. You know, it's very tough. Uh, TV work is very demanding and it's, it takes a lot of skills. Uh, I was very rough out of the box, even with all the studying I had done and all the shadowing mm -hmm. I had done. Rascals is very challenging. I mean, they tell you not to start out with kids and animals and, you know, because it's just, a, it's a much more challenging uh, episode when you have those elements. And, and we had a whole group of kids I was working with. So that, that was kind of a, a curveball. And uh, also being on a series that had been running for so long, it's, it, you know, it's, uh, they get you're the odd man out, quickly. really. You know, they get bored. And, and yeah. one of the, one of the, you know, one of the great sports of, of, of the cast and crew on an on a, on a ongoing series is to see how much fun they can have with the, dire the guest director who's only there for eight days. We shoot for eight, seven and a half mm -hmm. in this case, and then you're gone. So uh, you're kind of expendable. And they also call these shows director proof because basically the show has got its own footing. It's got its following, it's, it's popular. Uh, if, if one episode doesn't do well, it's not gonna really matter. I mean, in the beginning of, of you know, new shows, Every episode is critical, but by then right. on, on the next generation, that's you know we're kind of expendable. So it was it was a very it was a big it was a big learning curve. Let me put it to you that way. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and Star Trek has a family has not just the family, the actors, and the fandom, but the crew family has been around, and they all look out for you, and they can kind of baby the first time. I mean, the regular directors that they see two and three and four times a year for years and years that's one thing, but you're really like the substitute teacher coming in almost. Exactly. If, and it's, if and they I've want to turn that, it that I, way. I was substitute teaching for a while uh, before I went into teaching filmmaking, and it is not fun. It's a tough gig to, to measure up to. So, yes, very challenging. 
Yeah. Well, do you have, let's let me back up just a second. Do you since we're talking about six there at the beginning? Do you have a moment in in the production with six working with Nick and the and your dad as a producer, executive producer, whatever, and and the cast? Do you have a moment that either lives in memory now, or you watch the movie now and you go, "Oh yeah," and I I had a hand in that, or I. Well, no, I, I mean, it was moment. really an observer. I, I was working for Nick as an assistant on set. He right. had an office assistant as well. Uh, and uh, I, what it was a great experience because I learned there were a lot of top-notch professionals, uh, great cinematographer here in Narita, uh, uh, Gino Canamesa, sound mixer, um, just a lot, of, a lot of top guys who I learned a lot from about what filmmaking was about in, in the editorial, uh, talking to my dad. The, the most interesting part of it was the whispers with my dad while he's in Spock makeup, you know, <laughs> commenting on uh, everything that's going on, who's doing what and how this all works and things that the directors need to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really had a, a really a nice inside voice of, of somebody who was really experienced commenting on everything that was going on around me because there's so much activity. There's so, you know, it's so intense with the, with the cast and the crew. Uh, when you're in pre-production and when you're actually in production and there's so much pressure that it was great to get his point of view about everything that was going on. I, was I took copious right. notes, let me tell you that. I was going to say, so this sounds like it was more about giving you a little masterclass in real time than it was about him just gut reacting to things under his breath. It, so. Exactly correct. Yeah, I, I was getting <laughs> or, masterclass. Or probably a little right. bit of that too. Yeah, probably a little bit of that. <laughs> I was getting some commentary, you know, on the yeah. side. Yeah. Uh, too bad you don't have the whole log of that to put to put out to everybody. Oh, but I do, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I just think it's going to remain unpublished. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I'm just saying down the line, we are always needing new Star Trek material. Oh, so well, we have saying. new things coming up. We can talk about more later. New things that are happening. Yes, 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 yes. I want to get to that. But so, Rascals and and Timescape were the two the two assignments you wound up here, sixth season and. I, I working on my companion book. I remember. I remember Jerry Taylor specifically saying, "Oh my God, we threw poor, we threw poor Adam into this." Yeah, with kids, exactly. And you had. So was it? I mean, did you? You. you we all say that Adams. Uh, Adam. Um, we all say animals and dogs are the worst thing to to work with, but. You were conscious of that going in, or did it like come to the fore really quickly as you got into it? No, it's just. Um... And nothing against the kids no, necessarily, no, no. unless you look, what, unless you have a juicy matter. story it to share. It doesn't matter. It's a sink or swim situation. <laughs> it's a very difficult gig, and as much prep as I had done, you just don't know until you're in it. They're very long days. It's very high pressure. You really have to be prepared. Um, I did not have my chops. I did not have all the you know. I didn't mm. have the technical skills that I really needed to to make it through there. But it was a good beginning for me. I'm very grateful to them for being patient with me and helping me get through that period. I mean, after that, I directed another 40, 45 episodes of television uh, and was you know, much more secure and so confident about the work I was doing. I was not, with these two episodes of Star Trek at the beginning, I was not that self-confident. And, uh, um, but it's, you know, it's just a huge learning experience. You just have to do it. You gotta bite the bullet and do it. Again, Larry, you have to understand, these are, these are 12 hour days. Mm -hmm. With an hour for lunch, it's sometimes 13 hours. And if you go longer, then uh, you've got turnaround, a 12-hour turnaround. So you start later the next day. A lot of times we end up wrapping at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and nothing good happens on a set after midnight. I, that's just my opinion <laughs> and my experience. Nothing good happens. Everybody just wants to go home. So 
it's it's very demanding work. Uh, it can be very satisfying when things are cooking and you're prepared and you mm -hmm. really know what you're doing and you have the confidence. You know, I always say when I teach filmmaking that directing is performance art and your audience is the cast and crew because they want to know that you know what the hell you're doing. They want right. to be led. They want you want somebody who's sure of themselves, somebody who has a plan, someone who has direction. Directing is giving direction and somebody who's willing to collaborate, frankly, with with everybody else. Uh, involved in the production. It's a collaborative art form, and that's one of the joys right. of working, I think, in film. It's a little like when an audience, an audience wants to love something on stage or on screen, but especially in a live event, if the audience has that sense of fear, <laughs> then they can turn on you. I mean, you know, it's like they want to know that they're being led, and yeah, same kind of dynamic. Well, I mean, so Rascals was all about the kids, and we can talk about it in a minute. Timescape, you had all, and we've got the timesheets, we've got the call sheet here is is stunts and it's not kids but you've got blue screen and visual effects and all the the effect shots that had to be done um and you know like it's not the way we're not doing it viscerally live here so every and star trek people are good at imagining what's on a view screen and all of that but um it was a different kind of challenge was it any easier did you have one preference over the it feels like they were totally different tones almost or was that true well, uh, yeah, they're very different shows, but you know, in the case of with visual effects, you have supervisors, uh, Rob Legato, Dan Curry, top-notch mm -hmm. people who know what they're doing. Uh, in those situations, I just step aside and let them do their thing. I mean, I ask them what they need and we just deliver what they want, uh, basically. So it doesn't, that's not yeah. my field of expertise. It's not something that, ne that necessarily involves me. And I learned a lot from those guys you know, about how it works. Just watching it is, is fabulous. So uh, it, it's a whole different animal. It's more complicated. It can be very time consuming as well. Um, it was great to kind of stretch my, that, that muscle, technical muscle of learning what, what, you know, all of the elements that they have to composite these things and make it all work. I think it's fascinating. Uh, Dan Curry is really great at making, you know, set effects just you know, cheap little things that he would do to have incredible impact on the episode. I mean, the guy is very inventive. Uh, they were very, and they were, you know, um, also uh, Ronald Moore was another uh, special effects supervisor I worked with. Really great team of people, mm -hmm. nice people, and willing to take the time to educate me. You know, I mean, I spent a lot of time just following Marvin Rush around. He was a cinematographer on Next Gen, and he went yeah. to Deep Space Nine. And Marvin took a lot of time with me to explain what the craft was all okay. about. I was really interested in finding, yeah. you know, finding out all aspects about filmmaking. And I should tell you, Larry, following in my father's footsteps, I spent a lot of time in acting class so that I, I because this is the number one complaint that I heard as a television director throughout mm -hmm. the seven or eight seasons that I was working in TV, number one complaint from cast was that nobody spoke to them. Nobody talked to them. Uh, and I, because they don't know, they don't have time or they just don't know how directors don't know how to talk to actors. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different skills that you bring to bear when it comes to yeah. directing these episodes. And well, we hear a lot about, you know, directors, a lot of times are either technical directors, meaning they're all about the camera and the frame and the shot and the crew or their actor. If they come out of theater or live performance, then they may be good actor directors, but then they're not as up on the tech specs they need. Yeah, I would say so, I'm in know. the latter category. It wasn't up as, as up on the tech stuff. Uh, I prided myself in collaborating with actors. Uh, again, I spent a lot of time in Jeff Corey's acting class. Jeff Corey was my father's mm -hmm. acting teacher, and my dad took over teaching those classes when Jeff started getting off the blacklist That's and working right. in Hollywood again. So. 
I, yeah. I knew a lot about the craft. I mean, and I also knew enough to know that if you see a rehearsal and everything's cooking just fine, you don't say a damn thing to an actor. And that notes should be very short and sweet because actors have a lot of dialogue in TV to memorize that day. I mean, we're shooting seven, you know, six, seven, eight pages of, of dialogue. It's just a lot of work and it's very high pressure and we have to move very quickly. So, I mean, I try to get a balance of having enough technical expertise, yeah. but also knowing that there's plenty of things I don't know and just, you know, collaborating and relying on other people yeah. to help me out in that respect. Yeah, and it's not it's not as memorable as uh, the visual effects of Timescape, but you had stunts. I guess you had maybe probably little stunts on Rascals too. But mm -hmm. uh, and of course, and here you got Dennis Madalone, who's the stunt coordinator. Again, you're not having to to lead no, that. No, the guy but was stunts awesome. Can I just be... step back and let him do his thing. Right, but stunts can be time consuming too. So you know, and this was a this was an odd this was a techie show, whether it's visual effects or stunts or Correct. whatever. So uh, do you do you have a better a better vibe coming out of was timescape at all easier because it was your second or do you have a because it wasn't well no you know, because corralling the kids like cats or i mean or what, what's your memory of the two compared well then? the problem with timescape is i think we were the third or second to last episode of the season mm -hmm. when you're getting that late into the season everybody oh, everyone's antsy burnt. yeah no they're not they're yeah. just tired everybody's tired mm -hmm. and and people are very tired and tired uh, and they just want to go home so it's very difficult it's a much more it's a really tough time for the cast and the crew it's a long season of mm -hmm. i don't know 24 26 episodes it's a killer yeah, they it's had 26 just, it's yeah. brutal and so it's not a pleasant really time to be directing tv episodes and uh, you know one of the reasons we've got uh I don't know, 10, 12 episode seasons now. The British model won out, it seems like. We're, we're headed that way. And maybe for mental health and, and safety and, and uh, uh -huh. physical health of everybody involved um, in those 12-hour, 16-hour days. It's good. Well, so this is, this is a great snapshot into what's going on. Have you got a... I know you've been working on an exciting project here that's new. What's, what's up? With what's coming down the pike for you? Well, there's stuff that's coming down, uh, Star Trek-related stuff. Uh, my sister and I, Julie and I, went to the Skirball for Star Trek Day for the Paramount Plus mm -hmm. presentation of, of all the new Star Trek incarnations, which was very exciting. Uh, we got a sneak peek preview of uh, Exploring Strange New Worlds the exhibit that's at the Skirball opening up uh, uh, next month. Um, that was wonderful. That's an exhibit that was put together by... Uh, the Museum of Popular Culture in Seattle, uh, Brooks Peck, did a great job curating that. Uh, I highly recommend people go to see that. Um, there's stuff coming up now uh, that I'm working on with um, uh, various uh, people in the Star Trek community. Uh, we are, uh, I'm working with the Smithsonian uh, because I'm going to be donating some of oh. some Star Trek relics. Uh, to various institutions, uh, the Smithsonian being one. Stay tuned for more information about that. Okay. Uh, very Sounds excited about that. Um, yeah. There is um, some Star Trek, uh, some stuff that I have of dads that I managed to hold on to uh, over time uh, that I think it's time that the, the fans get a, you know, the chance to take a look at. And uh, we're donating to some various institutions. Uh, I'll, start, I'll tell you in particular, Star Trek scripts. I have about a dozen from the original series. Many of them have handwritten notes uh, that dad interlineated for dialogue changes. Uh, this is of keen interest to Star Trek scholars. I think it's going to be of great interest to the fans to look at, uh, to see these original scripts. Uh, and I'm also uh, trying to work with CBS about putting together a book about Spock. Uh, 
uh, more details on that to, to be forthcoming. And I've got a memoir coming okay. out uh, next year that I'm working on about also about uh, my relationship with my dad, uh, uh, you know, our, our years in recovery together. Uh, mm -hmm. Talked about that a lot in the documentary that my dad and I were both in recovery the, the last years of his life. And I'm right. continuing on that, that check, that trek, that journey. So uh, there's more Trek related stuff coming. Well, you know what? We haven't we've barely talked about your dad. So I would love if you could to come back with us and let's 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 go back to when you were a kid, maybe and talk about the beginning of that relationship and that journey and, and uh, talk about you and your dad both. Uh, but I wanted to give you some time here to look at um, early in the career of this time you had with TV and give you a chance to speak in your own voice. Thank you. So Larry. I hope you appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, sure. But I, I do hope you can come back and join us for that other show. I would love to. Thank you. Great. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Now, all of our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. And hey, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47 at larrynimacek.com. And yes, all of our new Trek Files swag and shirts are at the Trekland shop at tpublic.com slash stores slash trekland hyphen shop. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.